On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we recap Vanderbilt's 73-66 victory in Athens over the Georgia Bulldogs and discuss how that momentum after the win over Georgia could carry into Vanderbilt's matchup against Tennessee on Tuesday night. That is a 9 o'clock Eastern time tip-off on SEC Network inside Memorial Gym. Without students, there probably won't be much Memorial magic, but the Vanderbilt team themselves, Stackhouse and the boys, are going to have to create their own momentum and their own energy inside that gym that will likely be filled with orange. We'll see how much black and gold is in that arena, but we're looking forward to the matchup with Tennessee on Tuesday night, and we preview all that and much more coming up next here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boy. Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report. The premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 137. It is January 17th, 2022. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. And Will, we've we've got all it's all hoops from here on out. No, no, no football, no baseball, at least yet. Uh, but it's all hoops. And Vanderbilt got a win over Georgia 73-66 on Saturday night. We'll recap that. And Tennessee comes to town on Tuesday. I think we've been waiting for this for a while. Uh, no students, but it'll be a late tip off, nine o'clock Eastern on SEC Network, uh, and well, there will not be students, uh, but I think this is another game where the energy could feel a lot like the Kentucky game, and if things go wrong, hopefully there's no snowball effect. I think that's the that's the improvement you look for if you're Coach Stackhouse. Hey, something goes wrong, let's not, let's not have that snowball on us. So, Will, just a huge game. Georgia was big, but this one's even bigger because of what could happen after that if you, if you get the win. Yeah, you're going from playing the worst team in the SEC, bar none, which is Georgia this year. Yeah. Um, and and that doesn't take away from the win that we're going to break down and get into just a little bit. But this Tennessee team is very different. And don't let the 11-5 and record fool you and all the metrics, all the rankings. They're a top 15, top 20 team. The only thing is, in my opinion, they don't have the eye test of a top 15, top 20 team. I know all of the metrics, all of the AP polls, and then all of the deep analytical stats have them up there. But this doesn't look like the team that had Admiral Schofield no. and Grant Williams. It no. just doesn't have that explosiveness on offense. They have Fulkerson. <clears throat> excuse me, let me clear my throat there. That's been there. I think he's in year about nine or ten there on Tennessee's roster. But overall, this team is good from Tennessee. Vanderbilt is an underdog going into this game. But they're much more beatable than they have been yes. in the past few years. And that's that's what how I want to go into this game is just keeping the game close is the expectation and, and at least competitive. 
But when we get into the breakdown, it's not necessarily going to be win or win or bust here for no. Jerry Stackhouse in this game against uh, Tennessee. No, but it is one of those if they can get the win, that means these two teams are, are a little bit closer than we thought. And I think I think Vanderbilt is closer in Tennessee than some people think. But Tennessee is a dangerous team. So um, it's kind of you got to have everything go right. It seems like for Vanderbilt, of course, they got to shoot the ball. Well, we'll talk more about that game a little bit later. But will before we get to breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report like us on facebook subscribe to our youtube channel our podcast is available on anchor itunes spotify and google podcasts and while you're at it give our podcast five stars and a review on itunes all right let's get to the breaking news no matter what style you're going for you can trust your flooring job to a Laco fine wood floors take a walk through the woods in your home every day get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303 Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, let's get into it. Vanderbilt beat Georgia 73-66 in what was a horrific start to that game. That was a very ugly first half. Uh, Georgia played pretty well in the first half, but I think a lot of it was just Vanderbilt was giving everything to them. I mean, they were gift wrapping uh, layups, gift wrapping them wide open threes. And it's kind of crazy looking at some of the stats from this and the history of, of these two teams. Vanderbilt's last win over Georgia was in 2018. Not too bad. But before Saturday night, Will, Vandy hadn't won in Athens since 2014. And, and that's kind of crazy to think about because, I mean, you've had some good Vandy teams even after that 2014 uh, season. And it's been kind of a tough place for Vanderbilt to get wins. So they found a way to get it on a special day for Georgia. They were honoring their national title team. Uh, there weren't, it wasn't a great crowd in there, but, but uh, again, Vanderbilt, I was impressed with their ability, Will, to just bounce back and, and fight and, and be resilient. And, and again, we've talked about them getting wins that we may not have seen them get last year. I think this is another type of the, one of those types of games where if, if, if things start snowballing, this team may not have won this game last year, just simply because they're on the road and they may, they don't have the same guys they do this year. They're not, they're a different team. So, well, but the story was Jordan, Wright, 20 points, 12 rebounds, six assists. This is the Jordan, Wright We've been talking about, and we've been waiting on, he was four for seven from three point range. Well, if he plays like that, Vandy's a totally different team, even without Liam Robbins, because you got those guards playing like that. I think they can beat just about anybody. I mean, they'll compete with them. You know, I mean, you've got Jordan Wright playing like that. Scotty Pippen's going to have more than 13 points more, more often than not. So, uh, but well, Jordan Wright was the story in this one. And without his performance, I don't know. If, I don't know if they win that. Yeah, without Jordan Wright's performance, they don't win the game. Scottie Pippen Jr. did not have a good game. He, he had his lowest scoring output of the season. I believe he had mm -hmm. 13 points. Jordan Wright has not shot the ball well since the first three or four games of the season. And Vanderbilt has had no secondary scoring option. Well, you now are playing Georgia, who is the worst team in the conference. Uh, mm -hmm. That loss against Vanderbilt moves them to 5-12, and 0-4. They're ranked 212th in Ken Palm. So they are really bad for for comparison Vanderbilt 77th and that's a team that's not a tournament team mm -hmm. and Vanderbilt 77th Tennessee's 14th so that's the jump up in competition that you're <laughs> seeing from this game even though it's within conference but this team got down 34 to 20 and a lot of that had to do with a Scotty Pippen Jr he's going to have off nights every now and then and you need a guy to step up and that's what happened with Jordan Wright at the end of that first half going mm -hmm. into the early part of that second half but 
a, a thing that happened that I think is being overlooked right now is Quentin Melora Brown got in foul trouble early and Vanderbilt has no depth at that five position mm-hmm. without Liam Robbins because QMB would be the depth at that five <laughs> position. This is, and Jermaine Mann had the great dunk to seal the game there at the end, but Jermaine Mann is not a five. He's six foot six. He's a four. He's an undersized four at that, but he mm-hmm. plays hard and rebounds hard. If you have him guarding opponents, fives who are six nine, six ten, six eleven in the SEC, that's a recipe for disaster. And so this team is down 34 to 20. Easy to pack it in. Last year, if Pippen didn't take over the game, this is 100 mm-hmm. percent a loss. So seeing guys contribute, the the scoring outside of Jordan Wright was pretty spread around. I think Studi had eleven or nine, somewhere in there. Um, Trey Thomas knocked down some shots late, but Rodney Chapman not playing. When are we going to get him back? Because now that the competition is stepping up, that's a huge loss going Mm -hmm. into this Tennessee game. You didn't feel the effects necessarily as much against Georgia because I, I keep saying it. I'm not trying to demean the dogs team, but they need to be knocked down a peg after the first national title since 1980 (laughs) there in football. But this Georgia team is really bad. This is as bad. This is probably a team that's going to be what happened to Vanderbilt with his, which is going to be zero wins in conference or one win Um, that this is going to be the worst team all season. So it is a great bounce back win. but the only reason Vanderbilt was able to climb out of that 14 to nothing hole and go on that run, which props to them, that's a tough thing to do against any college basketball Mm -hmm. team especially in the SEC, even the worst one. But they were only able to do that because Georgia is that bad. And Georgia did not step on the throat of Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt made a lot of mistakes early. So props to Vanderbilt on one side, but if they come out and play like that against Tennessee or against LSU or Florida in these upcoming games, it's not going to be a game that they can get back into, and it's going to end up being a 30-point game like it was at one point against Kentucky there. So your thoughts on that, Billy, that that slow start they got out to and how much QMB contributed to that? It was just a weird first half, all all in all. It it was weird. I think it was probably the worst. Worst first half Vandy's played. They missed 19 of 30 shot attempts in that half. They shot 30% from three throughout the game, but they found a way to win. I don't know if they, they, they're beating too many teams with shooting 30% uh, throughout the game. But, well, you talked about Jermaine Mann's dunk. He seems like a guy, when he's in the game, I know he's – He's he's getting he's he's definitely getting bullied a little bit down low when he's guarding the five, but he seems like a guy if he's able to make a play or two, he he will shift the energy. He's kind of that spark plug for this team where he'll draw a charge or he'll get a big rebound or he'll get a dunk like he did in Athens and kind of shift that energy over to Vanderbilt's side. He seems like that was the exclamation point in the game. Vanderbilt, I think, went up by 11 after that dunk, and it was, it was still five minutes left, I'm pretty sure, after that dunk. But it felt like, okay, Vanderbilt is in control, and, and they are better. They're, they're better than this Georgia team. And something about this team will – I know early on they were not – they should have beat some teams they're better than. But in SEC play so far, I feel like they've beaten teams they're better than. Now – the South Carolina loss, that's up in the air. I think those two teams are, are, are very similar and, and pretty even, right? They're kind of middle of the pack. But Vanderbilt's better than Georgia, and they, and they got the win. Now, can they beat a team that is obviously better than them? Tennessee's better than them. Now, we're not, we're not debating that, and we'll talk more about Tennessee. But, uh, but well, the, the Georgia win, it was ugly. They got it done, and it's something that I, I don't think you could have said last year. And, and they're doing this. They're doing things that they probably wouldn't have done last year. And I – and, as hard it is, as it is to say that's a step forward, it is. <laughs> I mean, it, Especially, I mean, w- I don't think this has gotten enough attention because it was split between the halves. I, sorry, I was just like, I, ran, I, I pulled up the calculator on my computer to make sure that this was right. But at the minute 27 mark mm-hmm. of, the first, of the first half, so a minute 27 left in that first half, Vanderbilt was down 34 to 20, okay? Wow. So 
at at one point, let me get it pulled up here. It was forty nine to forty at the thirteen fifty eight mark of the second half. So just six minutes into that second half, Vanderbilt was leading forty nine to forty. So that's a twenty nine to six run that Vanderbilt went on in a seven and a half minute stretch. And if that doesn't get you excited to say okay. So, yes, Vanderbilt has offensive issues. Yes, they probably don't have the talent to even be considered on the bubble of, like, an NIT berth this season. Mm -hmm. But when they put it all together during one stretch, and this is even without Scottie Pippen Jr. playing well, they can be dominant, and they are that much better than a cellar dweller in the conference. Now, they're probably going to finish maybe probably just a few spots above Georgia, Mm -hmm. but that gap is pretty big between Georgia, even though they had that loss to South Carolina, which – we thought South Carolina was below them. So outside of Georgia, the only thing we can say this year confidently coming out of this game is I don't think Vanderbilt is the worst team in the conference this year, which, and I can say that 100% confidently. Um, And that's something that we have not been able to say with confidence in years past. So let's, let's not take that for granted. No. And I know beating Georgia they're they're probably the worst team in the league, but to still find a way to win without Rodney Chapman, without Liam Robbins, without, uh, QMB most of the game they still found a way so give credit to Vanderbilt they got the win over Georgia 73-66 and that's kind of some nice momentum heading into the Tennessee game on Tuesday night Vanderbilt's 500 in the league and will let's get into it number 24 Tennessee coat rolls over to Nashville from Knoxville Tennessee's 11 and 5 2 and 3 in the SEC Vandy 10 and 6 2 and 2 this is a late tip-off so I don't know how much that affects either team probably not much but Rodney Chapman's still out and of course Liam Robbins is still out and will love the stats i know you love the stats last time vandy beat tennessee in nashville march 1st 2016 and i know that's not super long ago but that it feels like it was forever ago it, it just feels that way 20 point that was a 20 point win led by wade baldwin jeff roberson and damian jones and guys that vanderbilt, vanderbilt fans severely miss i mean i think they do anything to get that team back on, on the floor but will tennessee's coming off a massive loss in rupp arena 107 to 79 they got bludgeoned I mean, they got just – they got destroyed in every sense of the word. And Kentucky did the same thing to Vanderbilt. Not the same exact thing, but they, they, both these teams got dominated by Kentucky. I know it was at home for Vanderbilt. It was in Rupp Arena for Tennessee. But for Vanderbilt, they've lost eight in a row to Tennessee. Vanderbilt has all the momentum, and they've got motivation as well. They've got motivation to beat Tennessee. They haven't beat them in eight years, and the last time you beat them at home was 2016. I know Tennessee has motivation too after a tough loss at Rupp Arena. But I think you could argue Vanderbilt, with the way their season's going right now, to get ahead of 500 already at this point in the season and already match their previous two seasons' win totals in the SEC would be massive. It would. Now, it's going to be tough. I'm not – Tennessee's a – they're a good team. They're not as good as they have been, but they're still a really good team. And I'll be really interested to see who steps up for Vanderbilt. Scottie Pippen and Jordan Wright have to play well. I think this is a game where Jordan Wright has to pitch in at least 15. Pippen has to score at least 20. I really do. I think that's the type of game you got to have and then have everybody else just kind of contribute in whatever ways they can. You know, I think that's the type of game we're looking at because Tennessee is a tough defensive team. They like to run the pace up and so does Vanderbilt, but Tennessee, they, they can dominate a game if they're playing at their own tempo. So will it's going to be interesting. The atmosphere is going to be interesting, but for Vanderbilt, if they can get this win, boy, it would do wonders for this season. It really would. Yeah. And, I don't want to go into this because this is this goes against everything that I usually talk about, which I'm always looking at the the stats and everything. But I've watched this Tennessee team a lot. This Tennessee team is very, very beatable when yeah. they start. They're, they're basically a better version of Vanderbilt. I don't want to say that 
but they are. They have a little bit more talent. They have a little bit more explosive ability. They're a little bit more consistent, mm-hmm. but they're very streaky, and they don't have a dominant inside presence right now. Fulkerson is not a dominant inside presence. He's very soft. He falls down on first contact and gets charge calls. He's crafty. That's the def- mm-hmm. He's not an NBA talent. He's he's not like Sheboy. Sheboy absolutely ate his lunch against against Tennessee. So this is not a team with Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams on the inside. And thank God, because, they don't have the bullies because that would be that would be a nightmare mashup with those two guys yes. on the inside. Because once QMB gets in foul trouble, it's over. So the number one key to this game, we don't usually break down basketball with keys, but I'm going to bring in a key. <laughs> the number one key is going to be QMB cannot get in foul trouble. He has to be there. And Fulkerson is very, very, very good at drawing fouls. So actually, in this game, for even though Pippen is the star, Pippen has to play well if this team wants to be competitive against Tennessee because Tennessee has competed with and beat very good teams this season, and they're dangerous. Pippen has to play well. But I think Quentin Melora Brown getting in foul trouble early would almost be just as, if not X-factor. more, detrimental to this team than it would be Pippen you know, being off you. at the I'm beginning of the game. So that is going to be something to watch. That matchup between Clinton, Quentin Malora Brown and Fulkerson is going to be very That's interesting be to watch. Probably one of the least explosive matchups <laughs> of two big men, least athletic, getting up over top of the rim explosive matchups that's going to define the entire game yeah. because QMB is very good at keeping his arms straight up and it's going to be very interesting early to see if the referees are going to bail Tennessee out like what happened early in the game against Georgia and call the fouls that are not fouls when he just stands there and he's stronger and bigger mm-hmm. so we're going to find out early if Vanderbilt's going yep. to be able to compete because either QMB is going to be in foul trouble in the first five minutes or they're going to be allowing them to play yeah. and allowing them to play benefits Vanderbilt. Yeah, and Will, Tennessee wants to push the tempo. They've got two of the quickest guards in the conference. Kennedy mm-hmm. Chandler's really good, but they also got a guy out of New York, Ziegler, I think his last name. He is a He's just a menace. I mean, he's everywhere. He's not a best scorer, but if Vanderbilt's guards, I think that's another X factor. You've got to try to contain those point guards, those two guards up top for Tennessee because they will get you. They're dangerous. But Will, do we have a line on this game yet i tried to look around i don't know if we do yet yeah, let me check on that i tried to check espn but i didn't see a line yet there, there'll probably be one up to uh you know tomorrow but i, I it seems like a game where tennessee may be favored by seven or eight uh, kentucky i know is favored by eight so it may not be as much as eight but i would be i would venture to guess tennessee is at least a six point favorite in this one uh basketball lines of course are a lot harder to find but well i'll be yeah, I, would, I would say i would say probably eight eight and yeah, a half because at least at home so yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find it right now yeah well, we'll uh, while you get that i'll, I'll kind of go through with the atmosphere and, and kind of what we can expect there because the, the question right now with this with this situation going on will is yes the students are not allowed inside memorial gym but how how can vanderbilt fans do how can they replace that and i think simply put if you're there be as loud as you can and act as the student section because every other team in the con- in the country at l- pretty much has a student section. Now I know there are some schools doing similar things as Vanderbilt, but I'll be really interested to see what the atmosphere kind of sounds like. There's going to be a lot of orange. There's going to be a lot of orange. I think there's going to be more orange than there was blue for Kentucky. Um, so well, I, I, the Memorial Magic. I, I don't want to say it's gone, but it's almost like playing at Memorial Gym doesn't mean anything anymore. Like I could be totally wrong there, but I feel like okay, teams going to Memorial Gym six five you know five six years ago it's like uh uh-oh you know this is this is going to be very tough but now it's like okay no students you know atmosphere isn't the same it's not as it's not as big of a challenge anymore it's just not so uh for Vanderbilt they're gonna have to do more on themselves and create their own momentum 
in this game. I think that's going to be a big a big key in this one. Yeah, Vanderbilt started out as five and a half point underdogs. That line is now at seven, so Tennessee's a seven okay. point favorite seven point. Um, right now. So that's about that's about about right. I yeah, would I would say I, maybe I, Vegas has given Vanderbilt a little bit more respect uh, mm-hmm. because they only had them as four and a half Vandy's, point favorites over Georgia. And Vandy's even, gotten even, some respect from Vegas this year. It's surprising. Yeah, until that Georgia game, uh, <laughs> because they were only four and a half point favorites over them, and that was easy. Even with how poorly Vanderbilt played, they still easily covered that. So that thank you, a, Vanderbilt. You you saved a little bit of my bad gambling. Saved picks, some Vegas people. <laughs> Tennessee has had a very 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 difficult schedule, and so that's why they're sitting there. 11 and 5 and right now in basketball season there's huge differences in basketball even more than football with final record and what they actually mean 11 and 5 for tennessee is not a bad record with their Mm -hmm. losses coming against villanova texas tech alabama lsu and kentucky Mm -hmm. they haven't lost to anybody outside of the ken palm top 20. now ken palm is going to do a lot of changing here in the sec because i think a lot of these teams early kind of played in bubbles a little mm-hmm. bit more and there wasn't nearly as an extensive right. out of conference kind of branching out schedule because a lot of these schedules we didn't know what was going to happen mm-hmm. i mean you had the diamond head classic canceled you had different games postponed but how good is tennessee because they've had a couple good wins they beat arizona who was, was a top a really 10 good. ken palm rank, ranked team um and other than that they beat a North Carolina team that's maybe kind of Man. around a top 25 team. Other than that, they've beaten a lot of teams ranked out of the top 100, and mm-hmm. they've beaten Colorado by 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a tight game against Ole Miss, but they don't really have a lot of games against teams in that 40 to seven, 40 to 80 range, right mm-hmm. where Vanderbilt sits. They actually only have one, and yeah. it's to Colorado who they beat. So this is a measuring stick game for Tennessee just as much yeah. i think more than it is a measuring game stick or measuring stick game for vanderbilt because i think we kind of know where vanderbilt sits i think we know that they're probably that ninth tenth team right there with south carolina a and m i think tennessee's trying to figure out are they up there with the alabama lsu they're clearly not up there with the kentucky or are they more close you know just a little bit closer to that a and m vanderbilt mm-hmm. mississippi state where do they sit and i think they're kind of teetering and this is going to be the first step um before they play florida after the lsu game which lsu is very good this season yes. that tennessee is going to see so vanderbilt you kind of know where we are and mm-hmm. obviously the next step is competing against the teams like tennessee lsu florida but you you kind of know where they sit tennessee yeah. we don't know at all are they really good? Are they kind of good? Are they mm. very average? You'll 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 know a lot more in the next three four games yeah. across the entire SEC because right now it's kind of a crapshoot. It will right. They've had some ugly offensive performances. The Ole Miss game, They're streaky. The, the Ole Miss Tennessee game was disgusting. Like I, I, if you're yes. watching that, I pray for you because that that was a tough game to watch. So they are very streaky. You're exactly right. They're a streaky bunch. So is Vandy. So this could be a weird game. Like I, I mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised if this is a 50 to 40 type of it's game. too it, the thing is it's not even just it's two streaky offensive teams that can get hot and also two defenses that are tennessee's a top five defense overall mm-hmm. and vanderbilt's also a very good defensive They're team that creates a lot of turnovers. 25, yeah. they both i believe create in the top 20 of turnovers um and yeah. let me get vanderbilt, I know tennessee vanderbilt, is. vanderbilt is 26 right now they are creating uh they're they have forced uh they're 26 nationally 16 turnovers forced per game yeah, um, and in the Ken Palm turnover percentage, so percentage of possessions of the opponent that are forced into turnovers, Tennessee's ranked at fifth and Vanderbilt's ranked at 19th. Yeah. So you've got two teams that create a lot of havoc, 
They score a lot in transition off those turnovers, even though Vanderbilt hasn't executed that particularly well. They do force a lot of turnovers. Um, so either this is going to be an explosive offensive game, and I hope to God I don't want to say this, but or something that could be as ugly with a little bit more scoring like that VCU game, where yeah. it's just an ugly, gritty game. Points are hard to come by, or the two teams could be shooting the lights out and Vanderbilt could have a stretch like they had in the Georgia game where for six and a half, seven minutes, they're unconscious like Tennessee does. Mm-hmm. And getting out on Vescovi. Vescovi is a guy that terrifies me as a Vanderbilt fan because I just can see him beginning to light up the game. Like, what was the guy's name for Georgia that was just had himself a hell of a night? Let me pull uh, up that I, box I can't score. remember, but uh, I know who you're talking about. But <sighs> it's it's crazy. It feels like there's always that one guy. That, and whenever you come into Memorial Gym and watch Etter, a game. Etter. Etter, yeah. The Etter, Eater, he had 16, 4 or 5 from 3. Yeah. That's what I can see Vescovi. Vescovi cannot do that no. against Vanderbilt no. and this game remain competitive. He's an X factor for them, just mm-hmm. like QMB not getting in foul trouble. You have to keep him contained. Keep him under that. He can go off or he can you know, hit 1-3 and really be ineffective throughout the mm-hmm. game. A little bit more consistent than someone like Trey Thomas, but uh, I would put him a little bit more similar to Miles Studi. He's yeah, going to hit yeah. him if he gets the looks, and if you can get him the shots, but he kind of can fade away into their yeah. offense and really become uninvolved. So I've actually, this is probably the most we've dug into one individual matchup, <laughs> but there haven't been really that many exciting matchups until no, right now. And now, now the real season begins. Yeah, I've got more stats for you here, Will. Vanderbilt is 7-1 and one this season when leading at halftime. They are 6-0 and oh when scoring at least 75 points, and they're 9-1 and one when shooting better than 40%. So I think if two or two or three of those things happen, I think Van, they, they forty percent nine and one. That's not a very high bar to it's be not, sitting at. Vanderbilt is seven. Like when they lead at half, they win games. They like they've shown that they carry over momentum from the first half. So some interesting stats there. Um, but will another quote? This is a this is a quote. I know you saw this. We tweeted this out. More virtual engagement is on the way for uh, for <laughs> Vanderbilt students, and I'm sure they're they're elated about that. I'm sure there's some students looking at that and saying, "Man, I can't wait to see another uh, virtual halftime show with the Red Panda." Um, but on a virtual town hall from Students Tuesday evening, the Dean of Students, GL Black, responded to a question about the seemingly contradicting attendance policies for the general public and students by saying, "The focus is internally on our Vanderbilt community." to ensure we can stay open and fully operational. And uh, students were also restricted from attending, but were offered a Zoom link to stream Red Panda's halftime performance. And uh, she also explained that more virtual engagement is on the way. So, well, I don't know. It's like TV, virtual (laughs) engagement. So students are going to be able to watch the game virtually, not on the channel the game is on, but on Vanderbilt's own channel that they've created. And they're going to have Red Panda, whatever halftime show. Uh, So for students, I guess you get to stay in their dorms and watch the game. Uh, but well, it's just, it, it's gotten kind of ridiculous. And my question is here, when will this change? Like, do we have a date on here, a home game where the students will return and do the students even want to come back anymore? <laughs> I mean, like, you would think that, I mean, we started that hashtag, let the students in. We know that's not going to happen for the Tennessee game yeah. because guess what they've done with those seats? They sold them because they wanted to make money. So that's what this is all about is virtue signaling for the students. We're keeping you so safe. We're going to virtually engage. Look, you Commodore's can do the same care. thing you can watch on TV. Commodore's care, baby. But <laughs> they've already sold the ticket. So I'm actually going to be sitting in the student section, probably in a sea of orange. Um, but I'm going to be there doing probably yelling and getting angry and upset a lot. Um, But I'm just glad that I don't need to be cared about because I'm just, you know, I'm dumb. I'm not as valuable as the students. You're just an everyday Vanderbilt fan. You know, I'm just just a cog in the wheel. I mean, I just work in Nashville. I don't matter. We need to keep those Vanderbilt students in their dorms locked away, very safe. I guarantee none of them 
are going out to the bars in Nashville. That's no, what I can guarantee no. you. I know none of those college students are going out to uh, on Broadway or Printer's Alley or uh, in Midtown. My, my Absolutely question, not going out. My question is, Will, what are they doing while they're on campus, like after classes? Are they not even like, are they allowed to talk to each other? Are they on public? lockdown? Yeah, I'm like I, the way the game is it like is, a hall pass to go off Vanderbilt's campus? Like you have to get your agenda signed. Like you're back in high school. I don't really know. With my no working downstairs. <laughs> He's not happy about it. But Will, with no, no. students at the game, it's kind of funny. Like to think about. All right, are students even allowed to be in groups of six? Like after class <laughs> at lunch, it's it's crazy. It's craziness. And and you've even had alumni come out. We've talked about those. Uh, Mark Rhodes, a former Vanderbilt, who's a great shooter. Um, and I'm sure some of the older Vanderbilt fans remember him. And back in the '80s, I'm pretty sure uh, he actually tweeted. I don't have it with me right now, but he just he just ripped into the Vanderbilt provost after a tweet. And like alums are fed up. They they just are. And and they're the ones that Vanderbilt should be caring for, and they're not caring for them. They're, they're, they, well, they look at their alums as if they're chopped liver. Like, well, like, the problem is there's this like idea that if you criticize this decision by Vanderbilt, that you're criticizing every decision and everything Vanderbilt has ever done associated with COVID. And I think we had some people write in that were not happy about the rant that I went on last time. And I think my exact words were, if you're not someone who is a researcher or tenured professor at Vanderbilt, which is a lot of what the anger came from talking about the research that's done at the Vanderbilt University Medical Center We're not and the research talking about done. That. But that's not what I'm talking about. That's fantastic. I said that they have a great academic reputation and do great things. I'm talking about that 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 is completely disassociated from the fact that this decision makes no sense. And the fact that they're not enforcing guidelines, even if you want to have the nonsensical guideline of that this Omicron variant is extremely deadly to those that are of college age. If yeah. you want to come from that perspective and it's extremely deadly, if you want to have that, then there's no attendance. And if you really want to make that statement that you believe that from the bottom of your heart, you're not just not going to allow students to come to the basketball games because if it's either deadly or it's not, there's not this, that's been mm -hmm. my issue from the beginning is if it is really deadly, it's not a halfway shutdown. If it's a real danger to the everyday person with this variant, you have to make that decision along all lines. And that's all that me and you have, you, me and you have said. Yeah. You don't even have to take a stance on either side to say, and no matter where you fall, to say this doesn't make any sense. If you're the most strict of anyone and believe that we need to lock down right now, you should think this decision is just as stupid as the other person on the other side that believes the opposite because there's no logic used here. If you're on one side, you should say, this doesn't make any sense and doesn't go alongside with what I believe. And the other side, it doesn't make any sense because there's no logic used here. And it's all just to show and say, look, we're keeping your students safe. We're keeping our students safe, but not the ones that play basketball and not the ones that can go into the stadium and buy tickets. Mm -hmm. Like if you're Mike Wright, you can go because you're right. the your quarterback and then yeah, you can go back to your that. dorm yeah. and talk to your other students. But or if you're a student and you want to buy tickets, no restriction there, because how are they going to know if you're a regular person yeah, or if yeah. you're an actual student? So it's just it, it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. And that's really all we it's, have to say. Also, just retweet hashtag let the students in. And at this point, if you don't if, if you're in agreement with it and defending Vanderbilt's decision at this point, your mind's not going to be changed. And I think you're in the minority here yes. because I think we've we've gotten a few people that that normally would not even be on our side on this that have actually come to our side. So I yes. think we've united Vanderbilt Twitter in a way outside of a few outside of a few people that, that can universally yes. agree. What the hell are we doing here, guys? I mean, come on. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast right now, pick up your phone, go to your Twitter account and tweet hashtag let the students in. 
Do that yep. right now. And tag tag at VU underscore Chancellor. Tag at VU Commodores. And tag, I believe it's Vandy eight underscore AD. Uh, uh, Candace Storley. Yeah, Vandy just, underscore AD. I mean, they're not going to do anything. They sold the tickets. But we might as well just be a little bit of a thorn in the side. What do they say? The greasy wheel gets the oil. Yep. Or, the, or the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Whatever. I just That's, butchered that saying. But something <laughs> like that. Um, so we'll just we'll just keep being squeaky and maybe yeah. eventually we'll get a little bit of oil or we'll get banned from Twitter. So I guess we'll find out. <laughs> but well, <laughs> another reason it sucks is because the two biggest home games of every basketball season have no students. Like that's yep. the main reason. I mean, you could we can talk about all these policies, we can talk about our political views, but sucks. The, the main reason is that the two biggest home games after this team turns a corner, there's no students. I mean, come on. That's that's mind boggling. It, it just is. So uh, yeah, the students I, I, aren't worried about the red panda halftime show. I, I don't know why they're so worried about that. I'm like, this is I like saw, the I one more, sports I saw thing. More red panda tweets than tweets about the actual game. Yeah, this is like the one sports thing. If you're a Vanderbilt student, you're like the one cool thing as far as yeah. being a Vanderbilt student with sports is you go and you're part of the Memorial Gym, Memorial yeah. Magic, that stuff. It's awesome. And it's cool. You get a cool angle in the game. And now that's taken away. It's gone it, for it's, the two <laughs> the two best games of the year. And it was gone last year, too. So you've had none of it. I mean, if they don't see that, that's uh, don't I, get me. Yeah, going. We're, we're, we're not calm. We're, we're, calm. <laughs> we're I'll get go. you. I'll, I'll get you while you're calm. But well, uh, nonetheless, yeah. Vanderbilt does play Tennessee tomorrow. And it is a nine o'clock Eastern time tip off. Could be a huge win. If no Rodney win, Chapman. No Rodney Chapman. No Rodney Chapman. No Liam Robbins. Uh, but uh, Pippen will be there. Jordan Wright will be there, and Tennessee fans will be there. So we'll uh, we'll have to see about that. But well, that'll do it. I knew this was going to be short. Uh, but by the way, we'll get a guest on here soon. I know there, we we've had. Uh, I think there was one tweet about some of the guests. But uh, with basketball season, uh, we like to kind of dive in. But uh, we will have a guest here coming up soon uh, on the door port. But that does it for episode one thirty seven, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.